Welcome, everyone, to the L7C Podcast UFC edition. We couldn't wait. We had to come immediately after UFC 281 because that show lived up to the hype that we've been hyping it up for months. We got the UFC MMA expert, Mr. Chuck Marlowe. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing on this lovely Saturday? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Let's UFC 281 has come and gone, man, and what an event. Yes, and then what an event indeed. Lived up to the hype. Madison Square Garden. People showed up. That is true. That is true. So, Chuck, man, first off, where do you want to start? Do you want to start off just going right into it? You did say well, people following you on Twitter and all that stuff. You were calling the fights and all that, and you got a lot of these fights right on the preview. Um, four for five, you know what? And the other one that I missed, I was I had it as a toss up. Really, ultimately, I was sixty percent positive on my guess. I was really fifty fifty with the whole fight individually, and honestly, I wasn't entirely wrong about that estimate that I missed. But I'll get into that a little bit later because um, that's that's the last fight. Uh, but we want to start it off with the first fight. We had Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puyas. And, oh, my, that was a good fight. Um, Hooker definitely is coming back into his uh, form. Um, he did exactly what I was looking forward to him doing. Um, he won He won in the total strikes. He won in the um, he won in takedown defense because I think Puyas was 0 for 8 on takedown. So he didn't get a single takedown like he was trying the whole time. Um, he tired him out, basically. His striking was amazing. He used his length like I've been looking forward to him doing, um, and he just kind of kept him at bay. Um, striking was looking great, and he got the second round uh, TKO, which I called. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm going to listen to it back again, but I'm pretty sure I called second round TKO. So um, I'm telling you guys, man, when I tell you these fights and I have these predictions, just take, take my word for it. Um, but, yeah, 29 significant strikes to five. Um, he just he looks like the damn hooker of old. He's went back to the drawing board and him and his teammates Adesanya and uh, Volkanovski must have been working pretty hard to get him back into that that shape of a fighter that he can be where he can um, use his length against fighters and be a high level striker. Yeah. And with Dan Hooker coming out that win, because do want to start throwing these out on the UFC things. Because, uh, you know, we're big on, like, people getting paid and all that stuff. I want to talk about how much money he got from that. So, Dan Hooker got 210000 from the purses, the pay-per-view buys and all that stuff. hundred k for the win bonus. He has fifty k in fifteen k in sponsorships. So, he got a total payout of 325000 from that from that win. 325 k is pretty good, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're looking at, if you really want to, get into it kind of with that if you're looking at um like boxing if you're comparing this to boxing if we're comparing this because this is madison square garden this is a big boxing venue as well and this this has sold out a lot of money to a bunch of different fighters and stuff like that so to hear that type of number um with the three hundred and twenty one thousand, i mean compared to a boxer who would make maybe probably about 20 30 million if they're not on the higher end of the boxing, like unless it was like a Floyd Mayweather who's making like a hundred million off of one fight, if not more. But um, if you compare those numbers, that's chunk change compared to what boxers make. And I think it's just with the way that the promotion works, unfortunately. Right, right, you are, right, you are. What's the next fight we're talking about? 
Um, next fight we have on that card was Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. That fight was quick and it was over just like that. Yeah, Frankie Edgar, his retirement fight, um, like I said. Um, Did he officially retire that night? Yeah, Chuck? he officially retired that okay. night. He was uh, He's done for. Um, I mean, he, as you can tell, he just doesn't have much. He doesn't have to get up. Like, he doesn't have the speed anymore like the other fighters. Chris Gutierrez came out very quickly, put the pace on him, put it on him. And he just, he just knocked him out. And it was very shameful that I had to end like that. Um, and that's a shameful way to go out for Frankie Edgar. I hope he can bounce back. Um, you know, his other endeavors in life, maybe training other people and things of that nature. But, um, yeah, he'll, it, he'll have a very, very good legacy in the UFC, uh, potential UFC Hall of Famer right there. So, just just know we will be Miss Frankie. And um, for Chris Gutierrez, I mean, you're going against an older fighter. It's a good win. It's a good one to have under your belt against a name like Frankie Edgar. Um, but we want to see you on a more high-level fight against someone at a much higher level or an equal level to you. So with Frankie, you said potential UFC Hall of Famer, potentially. So, Chuck, what what is needed to even get in the UFC Hall of Fame? It's not a Hall of Fame that's been around for, like, 30 years or something like that. It's relatively new. What what does your win loss record need to be? Do you have to have titles? Is it just like whatever Dana decides? What do you think needs to be for a Hall of Famer? So I know you don't necessarily have to have titles to be in the Hall of Fame in the UFC, um, but you need to be a fan favorite and you need to be someone that people gravitate towards. You need to have big moments. You need to have moments where people look back and they're like, like, you, when you think about big fights, when you think about like, Evander Holyfield versus Mike Tyson, when you have a moment that goes down in history as one of the best fight-like moments in history, that's what a UFC Hall of Famer will be like. Alexander um, Gustafsson, um, he's not an actual Hall of Famer, but he's in the UFC Hall of Fame for him and his fight versus John Jones. Their fight is in the Hall of Fame because that was a fight where people were like, damn, that is a hell of a fight. Both fighters put everything out there on the table. It was a back-and-forth fight. And it was just such a high-level fight where people are like, yeah, this is worth the Hall of Fame. So when you think about the requirements for making it into the Hall of Fame, you just have to be someone that people gravitate towards and you have to be someone that people love. Like Donald Cowboy Cerrone, he Mm -hmm. um, hasn't won the belt. You know, he isn't like a, you know, but he's a very high-level fighter and he's a really good fighter. And he's someone that people gravitate towards and someone that people love to watch fight and has had many moments in UFC history that people are going to be like, man, that was just amazing. Like, what the hell did you just see that shit happen? Like, so I think there's not really too strict of a category. Because like you said, it's not something that's been around for so long. And it's not a thing that people, there's not too many people. It's not a high volume thing. Like if you look at basketball, if you look at, um, NFL. There's a lot of people who participate in that sport, mm-hmm. so it's very hard. Like, it's very hard to sit there and be like, "Okay." I mean, it's very hard to just be like, "All right, you get in, you get in, you get in, you get in, you get in." You have a very fine list of requirements to make it into the NFL Hall of Fame and the NBA Hall of Fame. I mean, you don't have to win championships to make it into the NBA Hall of Fame, and we've seen that before. 
That's true. Um, and you don't have to win championships to make it into the NFL Hall of Fame. We've seen that before. So it's the same as in the UFC. You just have to be someone who's been at a high level before and that people gravitate towards and has done very great things in their career. And Frankie definitely has done that. And then with Gutierrez, you want to compare like total payouts, uh, purse, win bonus, sponsorship. He got $155,000. Yeah. And then you look at Dan Hooker, who fought underneath him, was making three hundred and twenty-one. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, it's, there's, it's, it's about your name and the weight that you carry. And then with, also what's on your contract. So it's kind of just, I don't know, it, it ranges in it. That's the thing I don't like about it. It's just very all over the place. Gotcha, gotcha. What was up next on this legendary card of 281? We had uh, the fight of the night, which was, which was up next. Oh, my gosh, that fight was... I, whenever you watch a Dustin Poirier fight, it is probably one of the best fights ever. It's a bloody matchup. It's an... It's just blood everywhere, and it's, I don't know, it was just a great fight. I don't, I don't even know how else to describe it other than it was just a great fight. And see, this is when we talk about UFC Hall of Fame. Dustin Poirier, without a doubt, will be in the Hall of Fame because of the fights he puts on and the level that he, he doesn't have. He hasn't had the belt, you know. He's mm-hmm. had the interim belt and stuff and um, everything, but he doesn't have, like, the belt belt. So he's a Hall of Famer for sure. I mean, you just see the way he just comes out. He was coming out. He came out kind of flat. Um, I think the first round, you got Michael Chandler get that takedown, and he was on top, and he was riding him, and he was getting some ground and pound and stuff. But if you look at the total strikes for that first round, it was 31 to 24 in advantage of Dustin Poirier. Um, but Michael Chandler was 2 of 4 for takedown. So um, takedown and ground control was a big thing for the reps and scoring. It was 28 to 23 in significant strikes for that round as well. You start looking at that second round, um, Michael Chandler turned it up a little bit better. He had a lot of ground time. It was um, 39 strikes to 23 um, strikes, an advantage of Michael Chandler, one of one in takedown. It was a lot of ground and pound, 18 significant strikes to two. So Mike, uh, Dustin Poirier really didn't have a chance to do too much. But then you get into that second round, I mean that third round, and it was nine total strikes to two. and there was that submission attempt, which sunk in, um, and Dustin Poirier sucked, like choked him out, rear naked choke, and put him out. Um, but let me just break it down in actual aspect of what was happening during the fight, and not just by the numbers. Um, it was just a lot of dirty boxing going on, basically, from um, Dustin Poirier, which I expected to happen. Michael Chandler swinging for the fences, which is his style, and he was trying to take Dustin's head off. He missed a few times got gassed by doing all of his wrestling and got very lethargic. All the buildup in his muscles from throwing those heavy shots and wrestling just had him gassed. And Dustin Poirier was very good at that. If you're a fighter that fights like that, he's going to wear you out and get you tired and he's going to start beating you up. He tags people. That's the thing with Dustin. He tags you. It doesn't look like he's hitting you that hard, but those punches add up. He'll hit you about fury or a good combination of five punches like a boxer. And those, those really get fighters wobbled and stunned and that's what happened to michael chandler he kept catching them after he kept trying to throw haymakers and stuff and he um put them down a few times got back in there and um he got this rear naked choke and sunk it in he got and there, that was a bloody fight there was that moment in the fight where michael chandler was on top of him and they were talking about michael chandler was fighting dirty because he like spit the blood in his face and stuff 
and he was sitting there putting his fingers in Dustin Poirier's mouth and stuff. And I mean, Michael Chandler, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually did any of that stuff and if he was really was fighting dirty like that because Michael Chandler seems like the type of guy that would. But Michael Chandler is still a fan favorite. We love to see the fights. He goes out there and he puts his he puts his head out there for sure. And he puts everything on the line when he goes out there to fight. And that's one thing that people will like in the UFC. You will always stay around and you will always stay relevant. If you go on and put on performances like that, even if you lose. Uh, Dustin made one million on that fight, Chuck. But what's next for both of these guys? Dustin, um, it's for him. It's picking his next fight. Um, with him being in that division, um, let me think. I got to figure out where he's rank he's what number two right behind charles Oliveira. Mm -hmm. you may potentially look at him fighting charles Oliveira again maybe you look at him fighting but neil dariush who's on the rise in that lightweight division i don't think he'll go up for the title just yet because he's probably not he's not ready for the title and he he's admittedly said that and he's admittedly opened up and said hey i'm not ready for the title um I don't know what's next for Dustin. I don't. I don't know where he goes from there. Michael Chandler. He's probably going to fight like a. You can't put him up against Gaethje again. Gaethje already beat him. Um, you can't really put him up against Charles. Uh, Charles is too high level of a fighter, I think, for him right now. Especially after you just lost to someone below Charles. Um, so maybe you put him up against like a Rafael Fazil uh, or a Rafael Rafael um, and maybe you put him up against one of those fighters or Dan Hooker, who just came off of a win, to see um, if he's ready to move up in the rankings even more. So um, I think that's probably the next matchup for those two. Um, those are some of my projections and guests for them next, but I don't see any of them fighting for the title soon. Um, I think they still have some things to prove. Dustin still has some things to prove to himself. He wants to probably get better as a grappler before trying to go up against for the title against Islam Makachev, which makes a lot of sense because Islam Makachev is on another level and he's about to go fight for another belt. So it's not like that's going to happen anytime soon for him. Fair enough, fair enough. Definitely got to see both these guys. Like you said, match match of the night. There was a lot of blood, a lot of action. This, this was something. Chuck, you go from that fight to what was next on the card? Uh, Carla Sparza versus Zhang Wali. Uh, so I'm just going to go out and say, I told you so. I told you, did, you so. You I did. told everybody so. It, Carlos, I, no disrespect to Carla. You're a great fighter. You won your belt. You got. You had your moment. You held on to it. And you did what you were supposed to do. But um, Zhang Lee's on another level. Um, she wanted her belt back. Um, and also, she's just on another level of, of, as a fighter. I don't think there's no one really on her level besides Rose because Rose is technical aspect. I don't think that Rose could beat her again, honestly, in my opinion. Um, Zhang is going to hold on to this belt for a while. I, I, I anticipate and I hope. She just went out and she enforced her will. She just did exactly what she wanted to do with Carla. And that's exactly what I expected her to do. She came out in that first round, 38 strikes to 18 total strikes. Um, Carla had one of three takedowns to Zhang. Zhang zero, but you had the reversal from... Um, Zang later in that round, and then she had a bunch of ground and pound and 33 significant strikes to five. That's a lot of damage. Um, there's so much raw strength and power in Zang Wally, so I didn't anticipate Carla ever being able to hold her down or do anything against her, which she wasn't able to. Um, and getting to that round two, um, you had 
the four total strikes to one, and then there was the submission attempt, which ended it all. She got in there and she choked her out. Um, exactly what we expected to happen. Um, I just think she has too much raw strength for Carla, and that's what happened. She just had too much strength for her, and she overpowered her. She used her muscle, and she just choked her the hell out. And Carla's like, I'm, I can't do this. She, she's like, I can't compete with this. There's no way you can compete with Zang. Zang is a I, I can't wait to see what she does. She's going to go on a tear, I feel like. I feel like she's going to go on one of those historic runs. Like, I think she's going to go on a Amanda Nunes run, and I hope she does. And I really anticipate that because I don't see anyone else who's going to be able to compete with her or hold up as a level of fighter as she is. Yeah, and Zhang, she made a total of $6,667 so during that fight. And like you, you said, there might be no one like what would be a big a mega fight for her now? Mega fight for her. Um, damn, I'm trying to think. Who would you put up against? I'd say you probably put up Rose against her again. Um, since I think what they're one one, um, two one, something like that. One one or two one or something like that. I have to look at that to remind myself, but. I'd say you probably put her up against Rose again. You because if they're one one, then you put Rose back up for that belt, and they can even the they can finally settle the score. And I think that's a great matchup right there. That'll sell. You look at maybe putting Jessica Andrade against her, who's number four ranking. Um, to skip over a few other people, which I could I could see Dana definitely doing. Andrade has as much strength. Um, I don't think she has just as much strength as Zane Willie, but she's a close comparison to Zhang and I think they're both two raw strong fighters and I think they just have a lot of strength and I think that'll be a good matchup grappling and striking wise okay Chuck what was the next fight on this card you got the main event um mm. Izzy versus Alex mm-hmm. um like I said this one was a toss-up and I told you it would be a knockout and it was just, it, it could have happened early and it could have happened late. And it happened late. Um, I was, I said it before and I'll say it again. This is why people love the sport of MMA. Um, anything can happen at any given moment. Any yeah. fighter can win on any given day. Um, and this shit, I, that, that fight was fucking amazing. You come out, I'm just going to break it down around the room. We're going to get into the uh, overall fight synopsis. You had um, 28 to 23 striking in the uh, first round advantage going to Alex Perea. Um, Then you look at the significant strikes, it was split down the middle, 23-23, but you can give the round to Alex in that first round because he just won in total strikes by five strikes. Then you get into round two, it was... um, 30 to 33 total strikes and advantage of Alex again. And he was one of one in takedowns. And there was 20 significant strikes to 17 in advantage of Adesanya. That round probably actually would have ended up going to Adesanya just due to the significant strikes. I know Alex had the takedowns, but I, I, that one was, so those first two rounds are really kind of a toss up. I say you could give the first round to Izzy and you can give the second to Alex. Or you could do give the second round to Alex and give the first round to Izzy. Those were both kind of tosses up. I had those both as toss up rounds because I think it was really more Izzy won the first round and then Alex won that second round. 
Um, then you get into the third round, and this is where Izzy kind of put it on him a little bit. You had 31 to- total strikes to 19 advantage of Adesanya, and one of one on takedowns for Adesanya, and then 14 to 8 on the significant strikes in favor of Adesanya. So that round definitely goes to Adesanya. That was a clear-cut round where you can tell it went to Adesanya. Then you get into the fourth round. It was 30 to 26 in total strikes advantage Perea, but you look at the significant strikes, it was 20 to 15 in favor of Adesanya. And when you look at significant strikes, that's going to be the thing that the judges pay attention to most. So that probably would have went to Adesanya. And then you get into round five. And, oh, my gosh, right before this round, man, Glover Texera, having him as a um, coach for Alex Perea, that was a good moment for him. That was a great – I don't know if anyone's ever seen that. I don't know if you've seen the video. You can guys can look it up on Twitter, um, YouTube, anywhere else. But he said, hey, do I need a knockout? And they're like, yeah, you need one. Because on the scorecard, they had it probably 3-1 in favor of Adesanya going into that second round. So he needed a knockout because Adesanya ultimately was winning that fight. And that's the reason why MMA is so fucking wild because – you can be, we've seen it with Leon Edwards and Kamara Usman. You could be winning a fight clear and just as clear as day that you're winning that fight. And then, boom, you lose the fight. It's just, he had 30 total strikes to nine total strikes. You had 28 significant strikes to nine total, uh, significant strikes, both in favor of Alex Kudea. Um, And that was just, that was a great performance by him in that fifth round. He knew he was down. He bit down on his mouthpiece, and he said, you know what, I'm going to get to work. He said, I beat this guy before, and I can beat him again. He said, I'm going to do what I need to do, and I'm going to make sure that I get this belt. And um, that was just a great overall performance by Alex. Um, he's now 3-0 and versus Izzy. Because, um, yeah, he won. I, I didn't mention this last time, but I should have mentioned it before. Yeah, I beat him once um, in decision to out of sign and kicks boxing. Then the second time he beat him was in that knockout. And now he beat him again, knocking him out. Um, that left hand, that left hook, vicious, fucking vicious. It just, it's a thing of beauty to watch this guy uh, strike. But yeah, so overall looking at this fight, Izzy was winning it and like, though he had a 3-1 going into that, that final round. And no matter how that final round went out, Izzy probably would have went on to walk out with that belt. And Alex, he did what he needed to do. He solidified the win, got the strikes in there, got him up against the fence and started pounding his face in and doing what he needed to do, picking off his strikes very beautifully. Adesanya couldn't cover up, and he just he got done up. But um, I like what Adesanya is doing. He's keeping his head held high after that loss. He's very confident in himself after that loss, um, which he should be. I mean, you were winning the fight. If you were winning a fight against someone you've lost to before, I know it's going to do a lot to your head probably and like mentally. I think that he's still, as much as he says he's okay, I think there's still some mental aspect to it where it's like, damn, I, I knew I can beat him, I, but I didn't beat him. Like, you know, there's that thing. It's like, I'm, I had it, but I lost it and again. And like, I just keep losing to this guy. It's like he's his kryptonite. And so we'll, we'll see where this goes next. I probably will definitely throw this up again. That's another uh, thing. People are probably going to argue, hey, Adesanya has lost to this guy three times. But that's in kickboxing was the two other losses. So I say you give him another fair shot at the belt. Um, it's, it's just this is MMA. It's not over until it's over. It's not over until the fat lady's singing. And 
hey, she, her mouth was shut until that last round, and Alex put him out. Yeah, Chuck, you really hit the nail on the head with this because it's it almost mirrored Usman's fight, like yeah. in control the whole way, and then fifth round the knockout blow, like it it almost mirrored it. Yeah, I, so my only caveat to that would be it wasn't as dominant of a performance by Adesanya as Usman versus Leon because Usman was flat out dominating Leon. Like, okay. it was just, it, it was like maybe a potential of 10 8 rounds, like where he just had him on the ground and he was just punching his fucking face in. Now, it wasn't as clear as day like that for Adesanya, but like you can definitely say Adesanya was winning that fight and was going to walk out without the belt. And I definitely say it mirrored it in that fashion where it was just like, man, he, he's going to win. He's going to win. This is this is going to happen. He's going to get his revenge. And then, boom, just tables fucking turn. Chuck, what is – we got another new champion in a big UFC pay-per-view. You've already said what Adesanya may need to do, but what about the champ now for the people who didn't expect him to be the champ? Oh, he's just got to defend. That's all he has to do. He has to keep doing what he's been doing to get there. He has to just keep continuously knocking people on their fucking ass. That left hook, man. I don't know if anybody can stop it anytime soon. Someone's going to come up with a game plan for it to stop it. The question is, who's it going to be? And how soon will that be? Because no one, yeah, no one saw him getting there. No one saw him getting there as quick as he, he got there. Um, he, was, he's, hey, he came in this, like he said, he came out here, man on a mission. Um, ready to go. And um, if you guys haven't heard his story, I definitely look up Alex Baez's story. Um, I've been listening a little bit more into it now lately. Everything, um, just the fact that he was an alcoholic at 12 years old, decided to get an MMA. His son is, I think, about, what, eight years old or something like that, maybe a little bit older. Um, he's been bringing him along him with the way that was the thing that made him change and decide to do better. Um, took up kickboxing and stuff and this Look, he, hey, it's a good thing that he took it up because he's turned a new leaf and this man is in that middleweight division and he is ready to bang with anybody in that division, I guarantee. Robert Whitaker, Jerry Canier, Marvin Vittori, Derek Brunson, Paulo Costa, Sean Strickland, he's already beat up pretty bad. Um, Jack Hermanson, Aaron Till, Andre Munez, Kelvin Gaston. I'm, I'm, that's all down. That's I think that's in numerical order, two of the rankings. So um, he, he he's ready to fight, and I, I don't know anyone who's going to stop this man right now because he he set out to get that belt. He just got this new tattoo of the belt on him. He has the other belt from kickboxing on his um, other bicep, and he said he cleared he cleared up a space and he was ready to get that tattoo on him. Hey, when someone has their destiny written and they want to make sure their destiny is fulfilled. They make sure they maintain their destiny. So um, I'm excited to see what's next for them. Chuck, what would you rate this card on a scale of 1 to 10? Ooh. 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10? Yeah, 9, maybe 8.5 out of 10. Okay, okay. I mean, I think there was great performances all around from the prelims to the early prelims. Now, if we're factoring all that in together, i say 9, solid 9 for sure. 
because those prelims and early prelims were great fights too. I don't know if anybody watched any of those. I definitely recommend watching prelims and early prelims all the time because there's always some great fights on there. They're just not big name fighters. That's the only thing that, that that's different about it. They're not big name fighters, but there's some good fights. I just watched a good fight this while we're doing this podcast because right now it's Lewis versus Spivak and the prelims are on it. I'm watching those and there was just a wild fight that just happened. It was a three round fight and it's two no names that nobody really probably would know about, but they went on for a three round fight, knocking each other down back and forth. And it's amazing just what can happen in those early prelims and prelims. And I think that's what happened in this uh, fight card, but also the main event and the rest of that uh, main card was just amazing to watch. Um, the only caveat and the reason why I gave it an eight and a half slash nines, Frankie Edgar versus Chris Gutierrez. I don't think that one should have really been up there. Um, I think it was just because it was Frankie Edgar's retirement fight. Um, and it was a quick fight and it was just kind of uneventful. It was kind of like, damn, well, we, this, this is sad to kind of watch it happen right here like this. And then the Dan Hooker versus Claudio. I mean, it was a good fight for Dan and he fought the fight he was supposed to, but Claudio was gassed close to the damn fight. And he looked like he was out of shape because Dan was just banging him up so bad. So I don't think it was that great of a performance for Claudio. So it made it deteriorate the card a little bit. It's kind of like when you have like a little bit of bacteria and something, it just deteriorates it a little bit. It may be high quality, but it's deteriorated. Um, so I say eight and a half probably for the full card uh, ranking. Okay. 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 Sounds good. Sounds good. Chuck, what is this card was hyped up for months and it delivered and it met expectations. Now for UFC 282, I know it's still a little bit away, but what are they going to do? What's what? How are you going to follow up with this? Well, ideally, you would maybe try and put another title fight on here. I know it's on December 10th, which is less than three weeks away. So you're probably not going to be able to get another title fight on here. So I don't anticipate it being as good of a card. You do have some higher name fighters and some high level fighters on this card, which actually makes it sound uh, pretty good because actually I'm fucking looking at the prelims on here right now. Yeah. Um, Rosian Shuck versus Chris Dawkins. That's number nine versus 11 on the prelim. You have Darren Till who's fucking coming back. I love Darren Till. Fucking wild ass fucking... Oh my gosh, from Liverpool, girl. Oh, I can't wait to see him fighting. He's going to get just this Duplessis. That's going to be fights. Number nine numbers versus number 13. You have uh, Raul Rosas Jr. versus uh, Jay Perrin, which uh, I think this is Raul's debut. I'm not 100% sure. I have to double check. Um, then you have Alexander Gustafsson versus Ovian St. Preux, which are two high level fighters in that light heavyweight division. Two people who battled with John Jones. Talk, I just talked about Alexander fighting him. Um, and then you have Bryce Mitchell versus Ilya Torpure, Torpuria, sorry. Um, and that's on that main card, Robbie Lawler and Santiago, Patty Pimblett, Patty the Batty versus Jared Gordon, Jan Blankovic versus uh, Magomedov. That's like, this card is actually a pretty loaded card with ranked fighters. Um, there's not many, there's only one title sh um, shot on this card, but um, you look at the winner of that, um, co-main event, they're going to be fighting for the title next, for sure. Okay, okay, that sounds good. I did, oh, well, so wanted to backtrack. Adesanya made the most money of the card. His total payout that day was $1.79 million. 
and Alex Pereira, his total payout was nine nine hundred thousand three hundred thirty-two. Right. Yes, and that's the thing that I don't. That's the thing I don't like about it. It's not weighed out evenly as well because Dustin Poirier, he got paid out more than Zhang Weili, who just won the belt. He got paid and, more than Alex. Yeah, and he got paid more than Alex, and it's just based off the name and stuff like that. So, I mean, I get it, I understand it, kind of, because the longevity and how long Dustin's been in the game and the name of the fighter, but also I think there's a factor to what you're fighting for, you should be um, getting some money, because Alex was a huge draw for that damn card, because he's Mm -hmm. already beat Adesanya, and that's the main reason why a lot of people bought into it. Because they're like, oh, well, this is a great matchup, but he's not making nearly as much. So that's where you get into that disparity where it's like, what the hell? That doesn't make no sense. Then you have Zang who's fighting for a title as well, who's not making as much as someone who's fighting just to fight against another person for a three-round fight. Agreed. Agreed. Chuck, anything else on this card, man, or anything else in the UFC you want to hit on before we sign out? I know this is happening right now, actually. You have... um, Derek Lewis versus Spivak part two um, after that controversial one where okay. they called the fight too early and Derek Lewis was um, he was still good to go and he was still fighting uh, and they called the fight early because the judge I mean the uh, referee fucked up so I'm happy to see them get that rematch I hope Derek Lewis can get a win look out for that card today um, I know this is going to come out after the hard because they're literally fighting right now like the fighters are fighting right now like morales and john's fighting so um just if you can watch your pre like watch the playback of it if you have espn espn plus um there's some good fights on this card and i like i just said i've watched some great fights so far on this card um like andre filau's fighting on this card um, yeah ion kudabella you have some good fighters on this card um you have mark um Marina Mraz versus Jennifer Maya. Like, it's a good card. So um, if you can play it back after the fact and watch it, or if you watched it, let me know what you thought of it. Um, but, um, yeah, definitely those are my things for UFC. Um, and look out for uh, – and, and my, here's my boxing plug because I'm still – I still I like to watch boxing. I love boxing. There um, was a big fight Tank, announced. Tank Davis versus Ryan Garcia. About fucking time. I'm ready to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, many fucking Mike Tyson versus Pretty Boy Ryan Garcia. I can't wait to see how that goes. That, <laughs> that, hey, look, that's the speed versus power matchup right there. And I think Ryan has power too, but I don't. It ain't. It ain't Tank Davis. He's called Tank Davis for a reason. All right, all right. Yeah, that's a big fight that's finally been announced. We'll definitely keep an eye on that too. And depending on. When it actually happens, might have to throw that on an L7C review. Most definitely. But with that being said, thank you everyone for listening to the L7C podcast. Make sure you like, rate, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to. Make sure you follow Chuck on all social media platforms for UFC updates, especially Twitter. Make sure you follow Chuck on Twitch and subscribe to his YouTube where he's putting up a whole bunch of content from different leagues in Madden to Call of Duty to NBA 2K. Make sure you're following him on all those platforms. And with that being said, this is the L7C Podcast signing out.
thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.